Welcome everybody to another episode of Grande Gang TV. Here at Grande Gang is our mission to inspire you to live life grande. And we use this podcast as a way to provide you with the inspiration to do that. Um, so today we have our special guest, Jonesy. Um, Jonesy is a local, mu- local music producer from Gary, Indiana. Um, obviously African-American. Mm-hmm. Of course, let's, let's go ahead and get that out there off the top. But man, me and Jonesy, I um, I linked up with Jonesy through Twitter, like uh, many of my other guests. He's just all all around stand up guy, and I'm he he makes honestly makes great he makes great music. I, I haven't heard anything from him, samples or even you know tracks he's produced that I I didn't personally like. I I, I like his sound a lot. I like the way he approaches producing music. It's not cookie cutter. It's not generic, and he has his own. He's not scared to stand on his own. But without further ado, I'm gonna let him introduce himself so we can get this interview started. Yeah, let me introduce myself because I'm not a local music producer. I am a music producer. Y'all just don't know. You know what I'm saying? That's why on my uh, on my website, I got best kept secret. Like as my like little what's good, Mm -hmm. bro? That's like uh, my bad. I'm I'm outside. Um, No, you good, bro? What the fuck do you call that thing? Anyway, bro, if you go on my website, it say best kept secret. That's like that actually started in high school. Yeah, bio, whatever you call that shit. Like that that actually started from when I was in high school band. Our band like nickname or whatever was Best Kept Secret. So then when I started, when I started rebranding myself from school and Jonesy to Jonesy 49, I wanted to incorporate as much stuff as like from the crib or from me into mm-hmm. my brand and into my work. So I just pulled that little that little jump from high school uh band. So shout out Mr. Walker, man. That's my guy. Shout out Mr. Walker, man. Hell yeah, that was my first black male teacher. Matter of fact, yeah, Walker was my first black male teacher. Man, you never forget the first black teacher. My first one was Miss Ezel, bro, third grade. Miss Ezel, first black teacher I ever had. Yeah, no, I I came out the gate with a black black teacher. Her name was Mrs. Outlaw. She did not like me. <laughs> you was probably bad I don't know. Gee, no way. Like, I don't know what I did. Like, kindergarten, I was getting bullied and shit. Like, it got to the point where, like, my mom came up to the school and shit, like, and I'm like, out of all the kids not to like, bro, you don't like me? <laughs> like, hey, yo, hey, that is some selfish shit to say, bro. <laughs> like, you don't like me? I'm coming in here getting my ass beat, bro. Not even by you, okay? By your fucking students. And you don't like me? Like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Hey, man. <laughs> This is outlaw, but no, elementary school, I had one, two, three. I had like six black teachers, but they was all females, though. Oh, yeah, facts. I I don't think I've had a black male teacher, bro. Damn, yeah, that's rare as fuck. Like, Walker was my first black black male teacher. Like, that was my guy from sixth grade all the way through when he started moving around and shit. Like, you you can't Mm -hmm. catch him now. Facts, man. Be all that, over the place, bro. That's what I swear. When I was at, I was just at university, and there was a couple like black professors that I, you know, them, you know, my older homie had tapped me in with. But it, they moved so fast, bro. Like, if you weren't there when they were there, you can't catch them. Like both of them. Um, there was one named Doctor Canada. He moved schools that same year, like a couple weeks after I met him. And then there was another one, uh, Doctor Walton. He moved schools as well. So I was like, damn, I didn't even get to take y'all, y'all classes or whatever. That shit kind of sucked. Man, at, at, at least out here, if if you a black male teacher and you're not uh and you're not playing politics how you supposed to be playing them, you gonna get bounced around. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's that's the fact. That's definitely the facts that they was dealing with a lot of with a lot of bullshit, and and that's why they was leaving. Because you know, because I had black men ain't gonna do. We ain't gonna put up no bullshit at work, bro. Hey, I don't because like it's like I don't feel like work politics is necessarily bullshit until they start trying to pull the bullshit. Yeah, because there was two black male teachers that like I really gravitated to that was able to like really flourish and have good teaching careers. And when I say they stood on two separate sides of the political spectrum when it came to like work politics. Yes, bro. but they both kept their job. So I'm like, gee, this is funny to really see. But, and, and that's the thing, like, like you said, it's not bullshit until people make it bullshit. But I feel like it only becomes bullshit when people take it too seriously. Like when they try and make work politics the end all be all in the work environment. That's where it creates a toxic work environment, in my opinion. Cause like, yeah, like bro, I lead this motherfucker, bro. Bro, you like, know it, why? like, well, I quit. Right, I quit right now. I will, gee, I will get, I will be on Indeed as I'm walking out this motherfucker playing with me, bro. What fuck are you talking about? But man, let us get back on top, man. For we, for we, for we turn this thing into a whole work workplace relations rant. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I sure was gonna take it to hey, a whole another place. Believe me, I got some stories, <laughs> man. But I so obviously, you know, first question I always ask people is where are you from. Um, we already said Gary, Indiana, but I wanted to get like a little bit more into that. You know, like uh, you know, maybe like what neighborhood you were from, and just how was growing up. How, how did you like growing up in in Gary, and then. What what led you to getting into music early on? All right, so I was born in California, raised in Gary. My daddy was a uh, fuck that nigga do. I, I I wasn't considered a military brat because he was already out the military. They just lived in California, but moved back here, raised in Gary. I'm from Glen Park, West Side, 49th. Uh, that don't really mean nothing. Like Gary is just Gary. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like everybody <laughs> know everybody. Like. Yeah, you from this neighborhood, but like if a nigga from far west side shoot a music video, there's a chance you could be in it because you went to church with him back in the day type shit. Yeah, okay. So, so it's so, like, yeah, so like kind of close to Yeah, in a in a way, like everybody is always one cousin away, one friend away. My barber know this dude, <laughs> my baby daddy know this guy. Like you're always just that one relationship away from the from the next person. So like I I really grew up in like, you know, kind of like a community type type environment. It's mm-hmm. still the hood, but everybody know everybody. I, you, I feel that. Like I, you I know who similar. the street niggas are. So like you so you know where to stay away from type type shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I grew up kind of the same way in Norfolk. Like it, there was definitely lines drawn in the sand, but like you said, it wasn't you was always like two degrees of separation removed from people. Like people you know, people, somebody, your cousin, somebody, your, you know, your mama went to school or your mom used to go to the club with so-and-so or she, oh, so-and-so used to babysit you back in the day. Like, that's what it turned into. Hell yeah. But that's pretty much how it was, man. Like, I grew up around all my cousins. I was bounced between, uh, before we got our house, I would be between my grandparents' house, like my, my mama parents and my daddy parents. So, Pretty like I don't know. I, I I just say I grew up as like your typical kid in the hood who had a single mother. Y'all Facts. always around your cousins, always at your <laughs> grandma's crib. Oh god. Like, 
always outside playing with motherfuckers. Like that's that's just how it was. Always in, at, after school at daycare. Oh <laughs> uh, no, nah, there wasn't no daycare, man. We was at the crib. Oh, that's what. That's another thing, bro. I'm the youngest of three. Oh, so, like, okay. Yeah, like by the time niggas start going going to school, it was stay at home with your brother. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, you was good. You was good, bro. Yeah, you was straight. Yeah, granny, granny was my daycare going into school. Mm-hmm. And then once I got once I got in school, we'll go to like an after school joint, like kindergarten and first grade. But geez, looking back on it, I had a key to my house when I was like seven. Bro, same. I had a key to my house and I had an emergency phone. Bro, I would not give my seven-year-old niece a key to anything today, bro. <laughs> Let alone trust her to walk home. <laughs> Facts, man. Like, oh man, mom. Thankfully, we when I where I grew up in Norfolk, we lived like literally right behind school. Like it was like less than a, it wasn't even a five-minute walk, bro. It was five minutes, and you at the front door of school, so it was easy for us to. My mom used to tell us, "All right, we used to have to wake up early in the morning." Um, and go to the homie crib because she had to go to work stupid early. So we go to his crib and go back to sleep until it was time to get up for school. And then we you know we all just walk to school together, come home. Mama say, "Come take our ass right home, lock the doors, get you something to eat, and then we be outside." For the rest of the day, beating motherfuckers up and shit, bro. What I'm talking about? <laughs> popping stoppies on bikes, hitting wheelies. What nigga said, stop these. Hey, we used to ride around the hood on bikes, kicking people cars to make that car <laughs> run go off. Man, we used to uh we used to do ding dong ditch a lot. So what we would it was just always this one house with this big ass white roller though. So we would ding dong ditch and duck into the alley. But one day, bro, I could have sworn the door was open. So when we bent into the alley, it was like the door was open and the rottweiler was like finna come out. Bro, that was the last time we ding dong ditch. That shit had me scarred. Man, I used to always hit the like, if it was, like, a challenge, bro, I was on that shit, bro. It was this one crazy-ass man that uh, shot at us the, the first time. I'm like, nigga, we finna go do it again. <laughs> Y'all are crazy as hell. <laughs> we was, yeah, bro, we was just, man, we was wild, bro. We'll be outside for hours, bro. Miles away from, from the crib on bikes. Like, kids cannot do that shit now. Nah, hell no, nah. they can't. They can't do it, bro. They gonna be, they gonna be lost and all that shit. But I don't they know. Don't got no land skills. None of it, bro. No navigation skills. But that's people nowadays in general. Like most people, like they don't, they don't, they can't read a street sign. They don't know what block they own on whatever street they own. Like they don't, you know, people aren't aware of their surroundings nowadays. But I just think it's just that constant phone usage. I'm like, y'all gotta get. Yeah, my my uh, my ex was like was like that. I had to teach her north, south, east, and west. I'm like, bro, everything ain't right and left and up and down. Exactly, bro. You gotta you when you in odd positions, them cardinal points be off. Wherever you go, you every time you walk, your direction changes. Every time you look somewhere, your direction changes. But that was stuff like you said. We got a feel for when we was outside. Like we knew where a certain direction was because of the street we was going through. And we like, okay, that's on the north side of town. So we need to bend back this way. Like, I don't know, man. It's I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like critical thinking is something that's on the decline. It's that's gone. True. There's no like what are the critical thinking games now? Like what are kids doing leading up in the school that's like the critical thinking games? They should be playing quick maps on them damn iPhones. Shout out, shout out Sulu. 
uh, quick maps is a little is an i is an i message game where you can do actual like math problems in real time against an opponent. Shout out to Subu. He'll probably he'll be he'll be on here soon. Hey, it sounds like uh, you should write a sponsorship proposal. Yeah, no cap. Hey, you, get that you back. know. You know, man. go ahead and secure that bag. You but, know what I'm saying? Yeah, like kids don't even got that no no more, but they know what Baby Shark is. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the like, thing. Ain't... That's weird to me. That's really weird to me. They know all the songs. They 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 can make all the funny noises and shit, but it's like, gee, what are the, what are the games or hands-on stuff that kids are doing now that's really teaching them stuff? Yeah, and it's like now the only way they learn is if it's coming off of a digital screen, which is actually negative because it's proven that we as humans, we learn better when something is being talked to us, like being spoken to us, and we can observe the person while they're doing it, and that way they can work through it with us. So now you have a whole bunch of kids that have like ADHD and and are super hyperactive because they're always presented with all these options. Like you, they're they're a child; they aren't deserve they aren't. Their brains can't handle all that stimulus at one time, and I, I it like absolutely it, can't, bro. It can't, bro. It overwhelms them all the time, so they get anxiety, and then that's how, and then they get addicted to it real bad. Like they be crying if they don't get their tablets, throwing shit, like, and it's crazy. It's, I swear to God, kids did not act like this. Like kids used to be bad, but it was never like this. Between all the added sugar people feed their kids nowadays. And then hours and, then not and hours. put them down on put them down to melatonin at night. Like man, that can't be good, bro. It literally says it'd be people that have like two year olds giving their little kids melatonin gummies. That shit say three and up. And then even still, you still shouldn't be giving it to them every day if they having trouble falling asleep. Like if it's like a Monday night and it's eleven o'clock and they got to be up at five in the morning, I would say give them a melatonin. But bro, you give them melatonin every night at the same time. You literally just dis- you're destroying their circadian rhythm. You're destroying. Them. Man, put them boys on the sleep schedule. My mom ain't give us nothing to go to sleep. My mom ain't give us nothing bro, to stay awake. Ass ass whooping. Uh, ass Gee, whooping. We, I ain't even get those. I ain't, I ain't get women. I'm 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 the baby boy. I ain't uh, I ain't finna get no whoopers. Uh, you, skate, you ain't finna whoop me. Skate yeah, club, you skate club. Yeah. Skate club. Skate club. Nobody about to put their hands on. on, on I, that's it. But uh, yeah, bro. The only thing we got in the morning was some Flintstone vitamins. Here, nigga. It's <laughs> no cap. Sur- sur- survive till till lunch, and then eat your little slice of pizza. Probably get a bag of chips. Go to the crib. Eat another little bag of chips. Eat dinner, nigga, and that's it. Go to bed. What the <laughs> fuck is melatonin, nigga? If you don't cut off them damn lights and go to sleep, <laughs> I swear, bro. My G. Downside of being being the youngest, I used to have to go to bed at eight o'clock, and that's when wrestling would come on. So yes, I would have bro. to force myself to go to sleep while my brothers are in the next room, and I can hear the TV clear as day, bro. These niggas watching wrestling. I have to go to sleep. <laughs> what melatonin, hurt. dog? I know you was hurt, man. Only hurt thing putting you to bed was sorrow. Gee, <laughs> the sorrow. one night. I, it was probably some holiday where we had a three-day weekend or some whatever, bro. That one night I got to watch wrestling, bro. I never forget that night. But yeah, Gene, it wasn't no these kids these days are being too programmed. They yeah, bro. That's they they out of hand. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. So like, majority of my clients are like way younger. Like I'm I'm 29, so mm-hmm. way younger to me is like 2021, 20, and they they'll tell me that they didn't have dictionaries in school 
And I'm like, that was punishment for us. Wow. Like you would have to go write like a page in the, the dictionary as punishment if you said some bullshit type shit. Wow. Yeah, bro. Like that used to be punishment. Like I like I'm I'm way younger than you as well, bro. But I don't. But I grew up like in the South, so you know, education was a little. You know a little behind, okay. Yeah, yeah. I so, mean, go ahead and say it. Yeah, so old school. I'm in the hood, so the, the education <laughs> here is just as behind. Yeah, bro, but, but I still grew up where we were, like you said, you get in trouble, they make you read the dictionary. But my grandma used to do that shit at home. Like, we used to come <laughs> home and get in trouble, bro. She's like, go pick up that dictionary and read. I'm like, and we used to look at her like, Grandma, like, can I just take the whoop? And she's like, nope, no, 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 uh-uh. Go open up that book and read. Oh, damn, bro. My nigga said, just whoop me. Yeah, I'm saying, like, you feel me, a little four, five, you know, four, five hits ain't nothing, but damn, read the dictionary. But I thank her, I thank my mom and my and my grandma for that, because I have such an expansive vocabulary, and people always ask me, oh, you must read a lot. I don't read half as much as I used to five years ago, but because I spent so much time reading when I was younger, it gave me a good, like, you know, kind of a good foundation to go out into the world to learn knowledge. Man, we used to have to write... If you said shut up in Miss Ma- in Miss Master's class, you had to write, I would not say shut up X amount of times. Mm-hmm. And you had to write your states and capitals X amount of times. Damn, not the states and capitals. Gee, Miss Master wasn't Jeez. fucking around about saying shut up in her class, bro. Yo, oh, oh my God. Yo, she's vicious for that. That's that's I, criminal. That's still my favorite teacher till 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 this day. Cause that's 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 how I learned what fairness truly is. Like mm-hmm. it ain't you always being right, bro. You gonna get what you des- deserve, type type shit. Exa- so. Exactly, exactly. You're gonna get what you deserve. So if you walk around telling people to shut up, you're gonna be writing them damn station capitals. <laughs> I fuck with Miss Master. Yeah, man, for sure. I I fuck with Miss Ezel and all that shit, man. But all right, so. So we got, we got, you got your foundation down, bro. Real good foundation from the sounds of it raised up real well by people, you know, that cared about you and wanted to see you do great things. So when it, when it, what was your first experience like with the music? Like what was the first time that you can remember like being exposed to music? And then when you were exposed to music as a child, what generally was the genre and, you know, who generally was the artist while you were like, you know, like growing up, you know, riding in the car with mom or riding with pops. I saw the first song I vividly remember hearing was Summertime by Will Smith. And I heard it in my uncle's uh, Buick Riviera. He had a cream Buick Riviera with cream seats. I never forget that car. Player as hell, bro. Had the digital thermostat. Yeah, it had the little clicker buttons on it. The uh, thermostat had the digital letters on it. It was like the first year Buick did it. I'm like, gee, this shit is a fucking spaceship. Lean, but, uh, my boy. He picked me up from uh, he picked me up from kindergarten, and nigga, the fucking the baseline on on that song just goes through the whole song. So I'm like, gee, this shit, this shit kind of cool. But that didn't really put me on the like music, music. Like mm-hmm. when I when I started getting on the road with my mom and could actually remember being on the road like it was straight Motown the whole way and that was the first music I actually fell in love with and like like Stevie Wonder, Aretha, Marvin mm-hmm. Gaye, Luther Vandross like all that shit bro and she played cassette tapes back back then 
Yeah. And and my mom is like a real old school mom, bro. Like, ain't no touching the radio while she driving. Bro, on so, God. On until God. we stop for gas, whatever we listening to is just going to go on repeat and repeat and repeat, dog. I know Whitney Houston, Whitney Houston greatest hits like the back of my hand, bro. <laughs> man, bro, Fantasia for me, man. <laughs> Man, I, you can play Fantasia catalog. I know everything. Like you said, my mama, she she put on that playlist, and it's going to play. Like, that was it. And, like, everybody in my family liked music. Like, her her brother, like, my uncle that picked me up, his his uh, his thing was funk. But he also listened to the new shit that we listened to, too. But, like, mm-hmm. when like when he'll get in his old school bag, his, his thing was funk. So I was listening to, like, a bunch of Prince around him, Rick James, Parliament, Confunction, mm-hmm. um, the, cl- damn, the classics, all the all, all all the niggas that was doing coke in the seventies, like that. That <laughs> you feel me, pinky nail type music, right? Yeah, that cocaine <laughs> music, like that's what put me on the funky shit. My pops listen to all the uh, I love you, girl, ass Motown records, <laughs> like Temptations, Sam Cooke. Still a little bit of Marvin Gaye. Your Al pops Green. was sipping, man. Your pops right, was sipping. Right, bro. Man, my pops was a sucker, dude. <laughs> he, he used to talk so much player shit, bro. But when I used to see him interact with women, bro, I'm like, you a simp, bro. Hey, I be thinking the same thing about my pops, man. He be, he be, he be thinking he owned something. I'm like, man, calm down. <laughs> like, no, you love these women, bro. Now, my uncle them. was a player, bro. Oh, yeah, he yeah. playing that funk. Yeah, he playing that funk. <laughs> Yeah. It got to the point where we had to stop bringing my older brother with us because he'll be be telling where we going and shit. We we picked up on it early. We was like, this this ain't the woman that picked us up with him from school. We just ain't finna say shit. Oh God, we just ain't finna say nothing. That is it's none of my business. It's none of and my And this business. ain't the woman that's finna go back to Chicago with us. So we definitely ain't finna say nothing. <laughs> Hey, he was having him. Hey, the funk. Hey, the funk had on having him. So yeah, he was having him. So you said your mom. Your mom mostly stuck to like Motown and then like you know R and B. So what was your favorite? Like, what was your absolute favorite growing up? Like when it came on in the car, you knew it and you were happy to hear it. <laughs> Fucking Keith Sweat, bro. Keith Sweat. Nobody was my shit. Ooh, I can respect that. And this because it hit. So hard, bro. Like my my mom's boyfriend had this black Honda Prelude, and I I don't know if he did something to his speakers or whatever, but that shit used to hit so hard, bro. I didn't even know I was listening to a love song. I was just listening to the beat. So yeah, Keep Sweat. Uh, nobody was like my absolute shit for like ever. Amen. I cannot blame you. Keep Sweat used to hit. Oh, I forget with his his radio station, but he'd be like, "You can tune in, baby. It's Keith Sweat." <laughs> I used to love that shit growing up. That shit was hilarious. People be calling like all me. that old Keith Sweat, all yes, the old R, R Kelly shit that used to hit. Like, if it had bass, I I loved it. I was like really in the bass lines. Okay, and the Mar right. Kelly beats used used uh, the Mar Kelly beats used to really hit too. Yeah, they bro his production. You know, you know. Sorry, he's a you know sicko, but. His product, his production, bro. His his music was crazy back in the day, man. Like it was just, it was, it was crazy. That's why he was such a generational talent, and that's why niggas let him get away with that shit for so long. Hey, man, so niggas yeah. let him get away because he was paid, bro. We we got to yeah. stop overselling niggas' uh, greed. He was yep. paid, so they didn't give a fuck. 
yep, they didn't care, bro. It won't it won't none of the, oh that's none of my business because as long as right, my check like, as long as my check clearing, I'm good, bro. That's how that's how they was thinking. If somebody got notoriety and money, they can get away with murder. Like we didn't we didn't seen a few our 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 Kellys in our lives. It's not necessarily like you know to that extent mm-hmm. and fucking with little girls and shit. But you didn't seen somebody that's flat out full of shit. Fucking that's people over. like that, yeah, bro. Plenty All of right, niggas. that's you know what I'm saying. But people let it slide because they paid and got notoriety. And I and I say that all the time about people. Like a lot of times, the message or the message doesn't matter. It's the messenger that matters, right? Right. It's always the messenger that matters. The message doesn't matter because humans are are programmed and in, in you know indoctrinated in a way to where they only believe certain shit that comes out of certain people's mouths. And they only, and the way they uh, attribute that status to people is by wealth, like you said, and power. And when niggas got money and got power, and it's like, well, damn, even if I were to want to tell on him, he going to be able to to pay for all the lawyers and, and buy the bitch out in court. So fuck it. I'm going to just take my money and mind my business. But exactly. that's, the, that's the wrong approach, bro, because we make people like that. That's what people don't realize. Like when you give, when you give people power, you can take that shit back. So if they doing some weird shit, bro, that's up to you to hold them accountable. Because if the, the truth about it is, if more people held him accountable, it probably he would probably still been trying to do the same thing, right? Just because I do believe he's real sick in the head. But at the end of the day, if more people they could have stopped this shit it, so long ago, you feel me? Like it would, it, it wouldn't have went on that long. I'm finna really like expose my age, bro. Like I remember like that tape going around the hood when I was in the fourth grade. Like I like I've watched the well not like sat there and watched and entertained by it, but like I've seen the R. Kelly sex tape on the VHS tape, bro. Nigga. Like that shit was spreading around like fire. People Tell was watching me, that shit in barbershops. Like the early 2000s was a wild time, bro. A, a super wild, a super wild time, bro. That was a wild time. Niggas wish that they could have been grown back then. I'm kind of glad I was the kid and young, dumb, and naive and shit. Because I don't know how them niggas went along with it. <laughs> hey, I ain't gonna lie, bro. I would have, I would have been wild if I was grown in the early 2000s. Cause, but I feel like that was the best time to be a millionaire, though. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that was the best time to be a millionaire. Like, if you had money, millions in the early 2000s, you really was living. You know, you had the big ass TVs with the big ass ass on them, the fish tanks. You know what I'm saying? The the stereo had a water systems. Bed. Still, you feel? Still had water beds. Come on, bro. Water beds, man. You could get a mansion, like a five bedroom mansion, for like two fifty. Easily. You feel me? Easily two fifty. I'm talking about all the trimmings. You know what I'm saying? Two got a garage. Lincoln Navigator in. Got a Lincoln Navigator yeah, in what? the driveway with, with the GPS system in it, chrome rims. You know what I'm saying? Like that was the time to be alive, bro. That was that was the time to be alive. I was cool with being the kid, bro. I I couldn't be no grown ass man walking on the set. Like, hey, y'all see that new R. Kelly sex tape, bro? I couldn't imagine how how it how it was trying to. Like, navigate. What the fuck? Like, how do you how do you how do you how do you tell your kids about that? Like, if they see that, if they imagine having kids and they see that and they hear about this shit or see it on the block, they come home asking you like, Dad. Who is R. Kelly and why was he peeing on a girl? And it's like, huh? Like, I don't know what to tell you, Junior. Like, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> nah, man. Just like, yeah, nah, that was a wild time, bro. 
that was a wild time to be alive, bro. All right, so so you started out Motown, old school R and B, you know. So when did you first start creating music yourself? Uh, so my brother, we had the uh the the PlayStation One, that great joint, mm-hmm. and my brother bought MTV's Music Generator. It was a game that you could make beat tone, and he was killing that shit. So I'm like, gee, let me go ahead and get on here. I was fucking terrible. So what I would do is I would load up one of his beats, write down, like on a piece of notebook paper, write mm-hmm. down all the sounds and shit that he used and would go try to recreate it on my own. That was like mm-hmm. my first dealings with like piecing together music was MTV's music generator on PlayStation. And then from there, uh, what happened? Same, same brother, he went off to college and shit, but he was trying to be a rapper rapper producer whatever so guitar center had this deal where you got reason three pro tools three uh i think ableton was like on its second version or something this was way this was like 2004 mm-hmm. you got ableton uh a midi keyboard and it's something else i'm missing and the interface yeah i was like gonna say you probably had an interface yeah, yeah. but 500 dollars. so he bought that and he, he couldn't really, he ain't really like, he could never really figure out how to make beats. So he left it at home. And for a minute, I didn't fuck with it either. But one day I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of playing games. I don't want to go outside. Let me see. Let me just start fucking around with this shit. So I load up Reason. And then from there, like, I was just making beats on Reason. Just really making drum patterns because I couldn't do shit else. But um, from Reason... I want to say reason was that was fifth grade summer, fifth, sixth grade summer. So seventh grade, when I transferred schools, I linked with my guy Eli G. And that's when he put me on Fruity Loops. And then from there, it's been Fruity Loops ever since. No FL game. You feel me? Hell yeah. I think that was FL six, maybe. Okay. FL yeah. six, seven. Like, yeah. That was like vintage, like vintage, vintage FL, like the good Gee, that was before you could crack programs bro so like you had to use the demo version yes if you want to save your beats <laughs> you had to export your stems from whatever you was working on immediately right there like you had to just export it bro nigga, nigga i'm still using the demo version man fuck fl <laughs> but yeah but even like before that i started playing instruments first before i started making beats okay yeah what, what, was what instruments grade. did you play I started off playing saxophone and then drumline came out. So I learned how to play drums (laughs) the real way. So like I I could read and write percussion music and shit. And then from there, like whenever I be in like school and shit, I always have a band class. Yeah, facts. So so you've been in band and, you know, actually creating music hardcore since like fourth grade, you say? Third, fourth grade, yeah. Okay, that's what's up. But hey, you started with that sax, man. So I know you got soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 uh, that motherfucker in the shop now. I'm, um, I'm trying to take <laughs> it out to out out to Atlanta, go be a street street performer for a couple hours. Go yeah, put just, a hat down somewhere. Just to get the experience, you know, make a little make a little some some make a little pocket change. Cause they be tripping in Chicago. But about about the street performer. Yeah, bro, they be tripping, bro. 
Damn, I wouldn't know, bro. I ain't never been out there. Hey, come slide, bro. Come, come, come get the best food in the world. You'll you'll see why when I when I go on trips and shit, the only thing I eat is Wendy four four before and shit. Oh yeah, I definitely facts. I definitely have seen. I definitely have seen like all the crazy restaurants because I, I like um, fuck that's delicious. So when he went to Chicago, he put me on to like I knew about like Harold's and stuff, you know, from Black Twitter, you know, shout out to Black, mm-hmm. and shout out all my Black Chicago ones, right? You know, but I didn't know about like the open air uh, Mexican street food market that was down there, like by the Bean. I didn't know about a lot of stuff on there. He really put me on. But I ain't gonna lie, I'll, like, I'll slide out there, bro. But I'm not eating no deep dish pizza. Y'all got that shit. Yeah, that's 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 tourist pizza anyway. That's like okay, white bet. people tourist pizza anyway. Like real Chicago people, bro. I mean, real Chicago pizza is square cut, thin crust pizza, bro. Okay. With some with some thick ass cheese and some thick ass toppings, like that whole bunch of that deep dish shit that you be seeing motherfuckers say Chicago pizza is not it's technically not Chicago pizza. Okay, thank God. Thank God. I'm glad that's 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 tourist shit. Yeah, that's that shit that like if my cousin's coming into town and we go to Chicago, we gonna eat that shit. Yeah, facts. Okay, what's the word on uh Italian fiesta? Italian fiesta, that's 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 like that's 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 bay. Oh, that's okay. bay when it come when when it come to pizza. Like that's my go-to when it comes to pizza when I'm in the city. Say so, like, shout out shout out Bunchy, man. Shout out Inglewood be you. He be on the time. Hell yeah. Bro. He bro, he be him he and Chicago Cooley. Yeah, him and Cooley, Italian Fiesta stands. I think Cooley yeah. at name is still Italian Fiesta, ain't it? It's still Italian yeah. Fiesta. Cooley won't follow me back. I don't I don't know what I did to him. <laughs> he will gee, I follow him like five times bro he will not follow me back i'm like man let's get some music up i'm saying bro and his music bro both of there they both make great music especially coming out of chicago i love like i said i love like their different sounds bro they they both got their own unique sound they stick to that shit they don't they don't get caught up in the trends that's but that's them them's the type of artists i like artists that stay themselves throughout the trends fuck the trends nigga i'm me you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't got no music with Bunch or Cooley. Cooley won't even follow me back. And I'll be in Chicago. Well, now I don't. Like, I'm transitioning more out east. But, like, from, like, la- like this past spring, like, the last year, I was in Chicago, like, every day doing music. Mm-hmm. So, so what, Every single day. So you haven't got up with them yet. But what are some, like, local artists? Well, not local necessarily, but some Chicago artists that you work with or that you still want to work with? Uh, want to really? I mean, shit. I want to just work with like anybody that come correct, or like anybody that I can approach. Like, I don't really have like a set names or like who okay. I want to work with. Because if I get in a room with these people and they pieces of shit, I'm not gonna work with them. I feel, I feel, I feel you hundred percent. Like, even if I'm a hero or a fan, if I link with you and it's off, like I'm not gonna work with you. So it's like that's hundred percent. Right. If I if if I reach out and you like, yeah, let's do some shit or you reach out and I'm cool with it, like that's 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 that. But like I don't I don't work too close with Chicago artists because Chicago is like its own thing. Like they got their own producers, they got their own artists, they got their own studios. Chicago is really its own entity. Its own scene, yeah. It's like you'll you'll never hear about a motherfucker from Chicago reaching out to people in Gary for producers and shit unless they don't have no money. Facts. <laughs> unless That's the only way. Because Chicago, bro, you're not buying a beat for less than 500. 
Jeez. from anybody. And that's 500 from your next door neighbor just got a cracked version of FL12 and he just made a beat. Facts. Like, that's just, that's it. That's the culture. That's it. And it, and I mean, shit, I ain't, I ain't knocking no, nobody else a broke creative because I'm still a broke creative. But if, <laughs> Facts. If, if you don't got that bag and you in Chicago, you're going to come to Indiana to find your cameraman and your beats and shit. Or at least you should. Yeah, yeah. It, it's always better, like, but, you know, I, I feel like sometimes we, we we get caught up in trying to, you know, stay local, stay home. But, man, you got to do what you can afford when you're up and coming, man. You're going to have time to show love back home when you when you get there. But if you're not there, it's all right, man. Like, it's nothing wrong with outsourcing. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. At all, bro. But I will say, like, one of the, like, like bigger, one of the biggest people to reach out from Chicago was DJ L. And DJ L produced for like Herb, Dirk, and shit. Like mm-hmm. any other, like any of them Chicago artists, you and you hear that tag. Oh my God, who is this? LB? Like that's that's that that's that nigga. Like he oh, he reached that. out. Yeah, he reached out once upon a time. It's a real dope producer out there. I was working close with for for the longest. Malcolm Flex. He got some shit up with uh with FBG Doug before he had passed. RP Doug. Yeah, I was able to uh politic with do or die's old old managers or old manager. Like he actually owned the studio that we worked at. Shout out to Mark Black. But uh yeah, it's a couple of people in Chicago to show love and shit. But for the most part, like I'm really on some I'm out here building with some with my Indiana people. My uh my producer group just moved out to Atlanta, so we kinda we starting up that pipeline. Okay, yeah, that yeah, y'all, yeah, y'all Indiana to Atlanta pipeline. Right, so that's pretty much where I'm at as far as like low, low, la, location wise, and who reached out and stuff. Like, yeah, no, nah, I mean, I, I feel you 100 on that, bro. Like, you, it's a there's a fine line between looking for new content and and new places and building upon what you have. And I feel like you have to have a good balance of it when you're trying to, you know, solidify yourself or. Or just even just in general business, you want just want to have a good balance of of you know working locally with people and then getting up with other people because you 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 a lot of times people like to shit on their own city or be like man niggas ain't on shit in the city da, 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 da. but for real for real it's really be that area. A lot of people don't ever get out of their area within their city or ever branch out into maybe some suburbs of their cities or like sister cities that are like, they don't 30, 40 minutes away. So it's like there's other people, there's other people like you within your general living vicinity, right? But you just haven't went out to find, them. bro. And 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 the people in the industry love people to do that because they can ease they they can lock them in the shitty contracts easier. Yep, and, and that's it's what people don't like, realize. Somebody, that's what people don't realize. It's somebody from out here that's like on on that's from Atlanta now. You you feel me? <laughs> from Atlanta, he's doing his thing. And like, don't get me wrong, bro, doing his thing, he be successful and all that shit. But I'm like, you, what's the foundation? Like, I want to at least be able to like, when all else fails, because the industry don't love you, bro. Get your yep. bread and get the fuck out. The industry don't love you. All else fails, I can come back here and record my homies and then record they kids who come up and then record they people who come up for the next 20, 30, 40 years out this little building that I own. That's a successful business, if you ask me. Granted, right. these niggas might not be top 10 billboard-ass motherfuckers, but they coming to pay me per hour for 30, 40 years to record their music. 
and and that's what and that's and that's like you said that is kind of the my biggest point to anybody that's trying to get out there in the music bro you gotta really check your ego and stop trying to be oh man i want to get so and so so bro as long as you success is a sliding scale and you are the one that determines your success so like you said you you're fine with as long as with having consistent clients that you've been working with for 20 years because you know they're gonna come in they got good bread they're good people you know we we, we do good things in here but oh yeah they're not on the billboard top 100 so what bro like music i tell people all the time music there's no such thing as oversaturation in music right and other markets and other businesses there is right you, you'll run into lots of competition you'll have to change markets change settings but in music as long as you're being yourself you'll always accrue a following so you don't have to adapt to the trends all the time is it good to have something some trendy stuff to get people in the door yes it is but if you all you doing is trying to be like everybody else, what is make what is what's gonna make people listen to you? What, what what's gonna make people fuck with you over the next person? You know what I'm saying? And then and that's then that's when they go link with these entertainment agencies who be having them fake relationships and fake beasts with people and shit just to stay relevant, bro. And that's the thing. That's the thing that people don't get. The reason why I like that you're that you try to get out locally and stuff is because you build solidified concrete connections, right? So you can even scale that into an A&R role or even uh, uh, like, a, like a music, like hosting shows in the city because you have real connections that you made with real people, not agents that work for fucking Universal Music Publishing or whatever that, that never been to the city and they just know more agents in the city. They don't know nobody real in the city. Like that's how a lot of artists, that's how they be going to these cities and be getting robbed and jumped. It's like, cause you don't have no real connection there. So of course right. you can't get nobody that heads up. Hey, bro, I'm coming to town. I bet we got you. You like, niggas don't have that. You feel me? Like, like you feel me? Oh, like, hey, bro, I'm coming to town to do a show. Oh, say that. Uh, let us know when it is. We got you. You know what I'm saying? Because, uh, because people don't understand, man. When niggas see you OT and they think you got some money, you a lit. It don't matter who you is, bro. If you don't, if you ain't got nobody in the city, like, oh no, nah, bro, he good. No, you you done for, bro. Like niggas running your shit. Like that's it. That's it. And if can't nobody speak on your behalf, nigga, you done. It's your security gonna do what they can, nigga. But that's it, bro. Hey, that's it. And and that's and, it. and if you a smaller artist, chances are you can't even afford the good security. You know what I'm saying? You got niggas with with bare mason and tasers, bro. You don't got nobody with no gun. Y'all getting robbed <laughs> at gunpoint. <laughs> and them niggas and whether y'all get robbed or not, them niggas gonna be asking you when you get back to wherever y'all came from. Hey, where my check at? You know what I'm saying? You got to pay them niggas either way. Exactly, and that's but why, it, and that's how artists be buying their gang ties and shit. But that's a whole nother story. Yeah, that's some stuff we ain't even gonna get into, man. Whole another story. If you know, you know. All right, <laughs> we ain't, that is, mm -mm. right. But you said something about like I could scale it into a event hosting type type deal. What I'm trying to do now is uh, I I link with, with my partner Jake uh. JP, shout out to the folks at Square One. We uh, it's brainstorming now, but we finna put together any. Ooh. Oh, my phone. oh no, you good, bro? Damn. Am I back? Yep. Yep. All right, there we go. My shit tripping. Let me plug my headphones in. <laughs> no, you good, bro? Yeah, bro. My gee, it don't matter where I put my phone on my lap. That bitch will fall. Bro, don't matter if I got a case on it or none of that, it's gonna fall. Damn, but anyway, what the fuck was I saying? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So I should jump back into it. JP, my guy. Yeah, he's a uh, artist, 
and we putting in. I'm gonna try to put together a event where producers buy in. You know, 30, mm-hmm. 50 bucks, and then we gonna invite rappers to the gallery. You know what I'm saying? But we'll, okay. we'll probably have a couple performances or whatever. But we gonna invite them to the gallery, play play beats, and it's a pretty much name your price, kind of like beat by type deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Kind of like a like a tasting gallery, but for music production. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's niggas come through, come play mm. your beats, come sell your beats. Artists come buy some beats. Cause gee, I'm recording too many artists on YouTube beats. And like, I get it. Some people come through, they just want to do it as a hobby. So the best way to do it is to get on YouTube and get a free beat. Cool. But I be meeting people who looking for producers, like who want to buy beats. Granted, yeah. I, I could take up the whole, you know what I'm saying? The whole pot. But it's like, fuck that. I'm going to get everybody here paid in some exposure and shit because I, I feel like I'm straight. And what's meant for me is what's going to come to me. Exactly, exactly, bro. And and and, and it's not, it's low-key, I, like, I fuck with YouTube beats because they are, like you said, they're cool for, for hobbyists and people that aren't really looking into it. But like you said, you get a, once you start, you know, making your own sound and getting buzzed, you'll find that people really want to buy beats. They want good viable beats because that aren't on no type of little free domain lease they want stuff that they know for 100 percent is going to be theirs so that when they go to make that music and they own the masters to that music they've already paid for the production so they own that you know saying they own that song besides whatever else they work out with the producer hell yeah but that, so that I'm that's just definitely to get a my cool idea paid. bro exactly that's a cool idea bro because everybody eats in a situation like that everybody eats and that's all I'm about, bro. That's all I'm about, bro. And fuck, music is a billion dollar industry, bro. Like, I only want one percent, and I can even share that one percent. Exactly, and still have tons of money because it'll. And that's because you don't have to be no one trick pony, right? People think because you make music, all you got to do for the rest of your life is make music. Like, no, like, no, you, bro, you could get into real estate. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. These bikes gonna come down the street. Oh, for sure. Old ass nigga. <laughs> Come on, bro. Cruising. But nah, they they passed though. Oh yeah, bro. But like I was saying, like you don't have to do music all your life. So you can take that one percent and and spread it around, and then and guess what, bro? Turn that shit up. And next thing you know, you got a multi million dollar real estate empire just because you just needed some startup bread. Like you don't. I, th- I feel like sometimes people get too caught up into wanting to be a famous rapper. Like I said, ego tripping. They want to be a certain way, this and third. But, but it's you can. It's so many different ways to achieve your ideal version of success. You should you, you should never box yourself into one thing. In my opinion, it's, I've I've had meetings with people where that thinking got me bounced right out that motherfucker. Whereas, like, because I mean, like, I I get it. No one wants to feel like you're someone's startup or whatever. But when when you a million, this billion dollar company, and all you want to do is own my shit at the end of the day, can I at least get compensated fairly? Exactly. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, you want my shit and you want to invest in me. And I get it. Like, you're putting up the bread. This is your bread that you're investing into me. So I got to respect that in order to understand why you want majority of the bag and ownership, which is cool. But, gee, 
I need to put, I need to be able to put this shit somewhere else. And I don't need to be that tied to you for so long. And there's some people that go fuck that. Yeah, and they, and they, and, they, and they don't want to hear that because it's like, oh damn, well he well he not gonna be easy to control. All right, well let's get him to meet, or or he not gonna give us what we want. Like, but he's not gonna be around for a while because music is such a volatile business. Exactly. That when you when when you get that one, when you get that person, it's like, yeah, bro, we have to keep him. Yeah, bro, but that's that's the facts, and that's the facts about it, man. Like, which is why it's so unrealistic to want to try and be a billboard top 10 artist because even most people that that hit the billboard top 100 a lot of people as soon as they hit that shit they fall off and never touch it again like there was a lot of artists man i would never know a lot of shit if it weren't for twitter man but there's a lot of artists that i could have sworn were like stars but when twitter was doing that little bill how many billboard 100 hits they got i was like damn that's it so it's like that shit really doesn't make you bro you can still be a successful, well-known artist, producer, you know, and, and without without being insanely popular or without being signed to some major record label. Because at the end of the day, it's up to you to make your success. And the way I always look at it is, bro, as long as you escape out your city, you, you didn't die in your city, you know what I'm saying, and you are able to make passive income off of something that you're talented at and that you like to do, you're winning in life. You're winning. Easily. Because the average American has to wake up and go slave for him to get that money. You know what I'm saying? But you can make that same money if 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 everything, if everything, you feel me, if everything fucked up and you ain't want to go to work no more, you can do that. And that, that should be everybody's goal. Just being financially free. Like I can make money off, I can make money on my own. I don't gotta and become a job for it. And that's why I'll never care about like being those lit ass producer no lit music dude because like right now when it averages out i make about as much as some people make at the steel mill here yeah and it's and it's like bro what 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 more can you ask for than that man you know what i'm saying and that's why i'm forever grateful that's why you'll never see me looking to my left and my right trying to compete and beef with motherfuckers because it's like gee my best friend works in the steel mill i don't work nearly as hard as him like when it comes to like physical labor or like shit that's mm-hmm. really taxing on me, there's no way I come close to what he does. But I'm I'm in the ballpark with him. And that and that's it's not and as consistent as I like. Right, but I'm 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 in the ballpark. If if you want to say, hey, let's let's go take this day trip to Denver now, I can go pull up with him now. But it's stack season, so I can. And you feel me? Big big stack season. Big stack season. You know, stack don't lack, baby. You feel me? SDL. <laughs> $10 a day, baby. I put Hugo on to that. <laughs> $10 a day, bro. We were buying. Yeah, I'll buy Popeyes. This was back when Popeyes had that big, the, the $5 big box. Yeah, the $5 big box. Nigga, you get a, you get a damn chicken tenders in, in two sides. Yes, bro. Nigga, Ooh, I'll what? pay all my bills, buy seven a week, nigga, $10 a day. It's five <laughs> for that box. I had enough to get like a little to get a wrap or some shit if if I needed it and, and a little a, drink, a, right? A little water or something you throughout, know what I'm saying? throughout my work day. Like oh, and plus, nigga, they serve lunch at work, so I ain't even have to like really pay for shit at work. Like during oh, my facts, work yeah. days. Either. Oh yeah, that's plug. That's plug. So like I saved up a couple hundred dollars just off of the loose change that I would carry. I mean, off of the loose change that I would save just not eating at work. Exactly, bro. Exactly. But yeah, man, it's stack season out here, baby. 
but that but like I said, bro, like like you like even you said it's not as consistent as you want it, right? So people they kind of have this negative connotation about when you say, Yeah, I'm making passive income off it, that's one of the first things they want to say, right? But like I said, that doesn't mean that your goal has to be to get on the billboard 100. You just want to make it more consistent. But it's like, bro, you got your foot in the door now. So now that's all you got to worry about is making it more consistent. How can I make this more consistent? What are the things I need to do to make this consistent so that I can then grow on it from there? Because at the end of the day, bro, if you can get to making $50,000, $60,000 a year off producing music, bro, you're living. Like I, like I can I go get... work at a gas station for the rest of my life. It's you... cool. And be cool, bro. Get you a little part-time day job to to for spending money or however you want to do it. And you just know you good. And just pay all your bills up in full and just make sure they paid off so you ain't got to worry about it. Just if stuff do get slow and if stuff do get slow, you got a job just so you can, all right, boom, I'm working 20 hours, but damn, I can work 40. But like I said, a lot of the stuff you do is is highly scalable. It's, it's integratable into many different venues. You know what I'm saying? Like you can, shit, if, if you want to start hosting parties, you can host parties. Like, like, like you said, those. Li- I think that's a great idea, bro. I really do. I never heard nobody try to take that approach to producing and, and you know, and setting up a venue for that. That is going to be something revolutionary. You know, Man, I'm trying gonna... to turn this. I'm trying to turn beats back into a producer's market, bro. And it's the the the, the hardest thing is going to be fighting them YouTube producers to pull their shit down. And they have a hundred percent great reason to use YouTube as a source because some of those kids live in cities where it's only like two thousand people. Yes, and the bro. next biggest city is eight is eight hours away. So like, I get it, bro. You ain't you can't make that eight hour drive to go network how you want to. So you got to use the Internet to your advantage. So like this real I'm not really speaking to them. But like if you in fucking Philadelphia, bro, and you making tight beats, come on, bro. And you giving out shit for free. I mean, let me let let me go back because tight beats aren't the problem. It's giving them away for free. That is the problem. Exactly. Like if like if you in the city like Philadelphia, bro, and you giving away beats, bro, that's to people that's not your niggas. Like there's people that's not building with you on your team, bro. You fucking the game up. You, bro, you and you fucking your you fucking yourself up because you're letting people know that hey, I don't understand my worth enough. We ain't saying you got to charge niggas five hundred, but damn, nigga, you can't you can't charge a nigga eighty. You can't charge a nigga thirty ball on your beat, bro. Like, like, yeah, yeah, you know, you starting out with something, but it's the principle behind getting paid for something you work on. Because I always think about, I'm still young as hell, right? Like my, like my homie, like I got homies that are producers and they do music. In my head, I'm like, bro, Blizzy, if you can make, make five beats and sell them for $50 on BeatStars, if you sell five beats a week, that's like half of your paycheck, bro. Like, do you not understand how big of a feat that is? You made two, you made, wait, 50 times five. Am I tripping? That, no, no, that, that's 250. You made 250 this week doing nothing. Doing nothing, bro. Doing, doing nothing. what you love. Doing what you love. So it's that's nothing what to do. It is. Doing what you love, bro. So you made half of your regular paycheck. So now you getting your paycheck and a half every week. And all you did was make, was make a 15 pack on Sunday night and sell five beats throughout the week. Come on, bro. Like, come on, bro. Like, just don't sell your, if you're listening to this and you're up and coming producer or artist, don't ever sell yourself short, bro. Don't ever allow other people to determine your worth. Because in music, do other people determine your worth? Technically, if you want to look at it from 100% objective standpoint, but it's up to you to determine your worth so that people evaluate you properly. Because the world you experience outside is only a reflection of your, of your internal self. 
So you gotta. Man, so we you, determined. Exactly. My, my bad, bro. Oh no, you good. You good. I was done, bro. You you good, man. But that that's it, bro. You determine your worth, bro. Like, don't ever let nobody tell you what you what you should and shouldn't be paying. That nigga don't want to buy it. Okay, fuck it. We live in the age of the internet. Put that shit on Beat Stars. Tweet your link every day. Somebody gonna buy that shit eventually, bro. Niggas is gonna fuck with you, bro. That's what I tell people all the time. You can't be scared. Niggas is gonna fuck with you eventually. Yo, all right, bro. I'm I'm in the perfect position to finish this out strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. We always we almost at the end. I'm at the at the end of my list of questions. To be honest with you. Yeah, I fucking I planned on being in in the studio for uh for this, but Aaron's running a little later than I planned on it. That's all right, dog. It ain't nothing. I figured your phone had died or something. Yeah, bro. I said it got too hot. I had to throw it in the freezer. Oh, hell yeah. I hate when they do that shit. But no, I'm good now. Yeah, bro. But but shit, we won't we won't we won't politic about nothing but uh, you know, just people establishing their own worth and understanding that they're worth something and believing that they're worth something. Oh yeah, getting producers paid. Like yes, that's kind of what got me into engineering because artists <clears throat> A lot of artists today, like, they move off of how they feel, like, in the now. So mm-hmm. when they show up to the studio, they don't even be one to, uh, like, not necessarily not buy beats, but they don't be planning on buying them from me. So it's like, we'll get on YouTube, they'll say, type in whatever type beat, and then I go, hey, I got some shit to sound like, sound like this. And then we'll go through beats, and then I'll sell some shit right then and there. Like I sell most of my beats in the studio versus online. Like I'm terrible with selling beats on online. Mm-hmm. So, so you said I'm I'm sorry I didn't hear that correctly. So you said you sell most of yours online or or off the studio. In the uh, studio. In the studio, yeah, right. Yep. Where, but but you still use online to connect with people, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's how I link with uh, Presley. Oh, oh, yeah, fact, yeah. Shout out, shout out, Presley, bro. Shout out, making niggas millionaires, man. That's <laughs> hey, hey, Presley, Pres, hey, bro. Thought <laughs> it's a funny ass story. Now, I, I, I could tell this. This happened a while ago. Okay, I was selling my, uh, my Hypernova Lifetime membership, and I told him thirty three. I thought he assumed that I, that I meant thirty three hundred, cause. Because I had niggas talked about hypernode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My dog sent me $33, bro. I was like, Fizzly, bro. <laughs> that shit was funny as hell. I'm like, nah, bro. No, bro. 3300 <laughs> That shit was funny as hell. I fuck with my nigga Presley, though. He really sucks. But that shit was funny as hell, bro. Yeah, bro, that was that's hilarious, my dog. <laughs> but that's what's up, bro. Like I said, um, I'm I'm low key at the end of my questions. Like, like I said, you covered everything. We covered, you know, your music beginnings. But the last thing that I wanted to to ask you before you know we get off of here, what is some real solid advice? What are some things you wish you knew before you got into the industry? Um. I'll I'll actually one up you and give you a better one. I'll okay. tell you what I'll tell you how I knew when to start what I'm doing. 
that's even better. Yeah, because that, that I've been because like we said earlier, I've been creating music since around two thousand four. Mm-hmm. I've About. I've been good at this since two since two thousand ten. Like I can comfortably say that I've been good at making music since two thousand ten. So that's eleven years ago. I yeah. haven't been consistent with making it, but I can like since two thousand ten, nigga. You can line up a row of instruments, a keyboard, and a DAW, and I can play, write, arrange on each and everything, bro. I can do this shit. Now, I, I, I can do that for the last, like, 10 years. In the last three, I've only been able to use, I've gotten the Pro Tools and shit. But I knew, because even up until, like, three years ago, I, I, I started, all of my brothers would tell me, yo, you should do music, you should do music. Every family event I pull up to, why aren't you doing music? <clears throat> and, like, the whole time, I'm like, yo, I'm not ready to. And I knew I wasn't ready to because I knew I wasn't mature enough to play the politics that needed to be played to make the money that I want to make. So I knew that I had to reach some type of maturity level where I had Mm -hmm. to go, yo, your feelings do not matter, bro. And you can't have your heart wrapped around a dollar. That's that's, that's facts. You got to be able to separate business. You got to understand that a lot of shit is just business. right and some and sometimes people sometimes people even take it upon themselves to personally take their feelings out against you through the business and even still you have to know when they're doing that yep that's 100 facts i agree with you 100 so like once i really understood like how to play politics in a situation that's when i was like okay let me go ahead and start trying to do this Bro, I you know what, man, you definitely one up me because that's probably the best thing. That's honestly probably the best thing that I'll. That's the number one thing I'll tell anybody. Um, but even my even my short time being in business, you know, Grande Gang only been around about seven months now. So, but still, man, just that I know that shit. It really opened up. It really opened up your view and how you view the industry, and it really changed the way you navigate. And that's what's important. You know what I'm saying? That's what that's what is important. You wanna you don't want to get too caught up in in and being emotional with everything. Oh, this person ain't, ain't want to collab with me, this, that, and third, taking that shit personal, you know, starting little stupid shit like disagreements. Like you really just gotta let shit wash off your back. Like you just gotta be like water, bro. You just gotta let shit flow. Right. You happens. cannot you cannot be too top heavy. You can't lean on too heavy on one on one side because you're gonna get fucked over it might feel good and actually create something good in that moment. But in you the think about longevity, things, longevity right, always. Cause you could be an e- emotional ass nigga and make the most beautiful music, the most great emotional ass light skin nigga ass music that, that just pops. But since you were so emotional and lost in the business, you just signed everything that came, that came your way. Exactly, bro. Because you, cause you looking for some type of, internal validation from the shit you're doing externally but you gotta but you gotta create your own internal validation so that you can get what you're looking for out of life like you're not you're not gonna be able to get to where you want to go in life and in whatever you want to do if you too caught up in how it makes you feel it's important to understand your passion and use your passion to drive you but you cannot let your passion guide you you got to let your thoughts guide you because your passion you feel we bro we all done been on you feel we done all done hit, hit shorties it was passionate, but that was not the right move at the time. <laughs> that was not it. <laughs> at all, bro. And then on the flip side, you can't be too too business heavy because you'll probably fuck around and 
misconnection in this person your best beat or you might not put your best foot forward because you want some i'm gonna keep my best shit hidden because they don't want to pay for this or this ain't gonna make me no money and the whole time that was your bridge to something yep that bro and that's some shit i'm learning like like um like just with designing clothes and shit it's like it's like i felt like i was leaning on i was leaning too far on one side but now i'm getting back to to trying to get in the middle bro life is all about balance so whatever you do, you're not really going, in my opinion, you're not going to see progress in it until you really start moving from a balanced perspective, looking at it from, you know, a logical and emotional perspective, a positive and a negative perspective, because that's what gives you direction. Because when you can see both ways it can go, you can choose to walk in the middle of that shit and get the best of both worlds. But if you, never, if you never take the time to see that, you'll never be able to do that. And so you'll always be getting stuck on one side and, and, and always having to backtrack and start over when in reality, all you got to do is take it, take some time, you know, don't, everything don't got to be instant, take some time, look over shit, look how it's going to think about it, feel about it, and then make the best decision based on what you think and feel. But you got to have both. You, you definitely write about that. You got to have both, 100%. And plus, I and I was fortunate enough to see like a couple of people start their music journeys and go off into the industry and not even necessarily be rappers or producers, but like people who behind the cameras, they do writing, creative direction, whatever. I was able to watch them start going on and like watching what they dealt with, like knowing who I was at the time. I know if I was next to them or around them or involved in a situation, I probably would have fucked that up for them. Yep. Because they got, you know, they probably got shorted some, some somewhere, stood up, set up or something. And then it's like, bro, fuck that. Take this L shit. Let's go kick their teeth in. And you can't play like that. You can't, bro. Because that shit will, because if you get, because you like, bro, you you can't be like that, bro. You're going to fucking be in a jail cell all the time. Fighting, look, fighting assault cases and shit. <laughs> and that shit is not a good look, bro. It's just not. It's just not even if even if you don't get pitched on it, like let's say we did this interview in person, right? And mm. you ask me a dumbass question and I just beat the fuck out of you. Even though I'm like in the right to some people's mind, that next person with that podcast not gonna have me on. Yeah, they ain't gonna because he's not you, gonna know what triggers me. Exactly. That's what, and then that's another that's kind of one of the biggest things I'm I'm learning myself, bro. You can you are not you only you are the center of your world. You are not the center of the universe, bro. People, everybody is not gonna know your triggers, the shit you like and dislike, and it is not their job to. But it's your job to effectively communicate that stuff. So you can't be like, "Oh, I don't like X, Y, and Z." But then when X, Y, and Z happen, you just letting it happen because you don't want to speak on it. It's like, bro, no. Nah, tell people, set your boundaries. That's how you do good business. You do good business by telling people like, "Hey, where I'm from, I don't respond well to to that type of language or, or that type of behavior. I'm gonna ask you to correct that. If not, then we can proceed. Then then I'm gonna ask you. Then I'm gonna have to decline. You know, whatever business we got going on. It's simple, but you can't get too caught up in in like you said, just being being impulsive. You gotta think before you speak and think before you do things in business. And that's yeah, where, absolutely. And that's why a lot of people businesses aren't successful. That's why people tell, oh oh, everybody can't run a business. It, it's correct. Everybody can't run a business because you gotta know. You got to know when to be objective, when to let shit ride and when to pursue shit. Like some shit you just got to let ride. You can't confront. You can't confront everything. You can't, you can't, you know what I'm saying? Want to at everybody on the timeline, start arguments, beef drama. Cause that's, that's publicity you don't want. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to have, yeah. you got to have that balance, bro, between being yourself, but also being a businessman. Yeah. Some people don't, don't got it. But once, but once I really realized like 
I'm only in control of myself. My feelings only matter to me and I need to be as center as in the gray area as possible. That's when I knew to enter like trying to pursue a music career, a career in music. Yeah. But that's a bless it's a blessing that you're that you, you know, I'm glad that you that you figured that out for yourself early on, bro. Like, even though, yeah, bro, yeah, nigga, you almost 30, but I don't give a fuck, nigga. You doing shit. I don't care. Age doesn't matter, bro. For me, I respect anybody that that can just be honest with themselves and admit where they was fucking up and just move to do better. Cause that's what really matters in this life shit. That's all that matters. Admitting where you're wrong and trying to do better. And like you, but look at you now, bro. You made that decision. However long ago you did, and you're doing it, bro. You're doing big things, man. And, I, and it's also it's all love over here, and it's all support over here, gang. Because you're really doing you're doing great things, bro. And I believe in you. Shit. Hey, I'm trying, bro. As long as you're putting time into something, you can charge people. So, like, no matter how old you are, bro, if you putting time into making music and your shit is good, charge motherfuckers to let them hear it. It don't matter if you charge 14, people to perform their shit. Like, it don't matter them. if it's a hundred dollars or ten thousand dollars. It's the principle. Think about it, bro. You go perform three songs somewhere for a hundred dollars, bro. You just made a hundred dollars in a fucking hour. Like, bro, you just made like, bro, you just made three hundred dollars in a day. Like, like people. Like, gee, and then you go do, you go do a set here, a set at this small bar, a set at this small bar, and a set at this small, small, small bar. That's three, four hundred dollars in a in a in a night. You could fuck around and go DoorDash for another two, two, three hours, get another two, three hundred dollars. And then probably you cut hair on the side of some shit. So you go cut 10, 10, 10 niggas hairs. You just made a band in a day and you still got like nine hours left in the day, bro. You got your time to go relax and sleep, bro, and start over and do it all over again. That's what I'm saying, bro. Like it, it's more than one way to do stuff. So don't ever get discouraged because, oh, you think, oh, I'm small time, man. Nigga, everybody got to start somewhere. So what, nigga? We all came up selling lemonade on and shit on the block. Like, you know, yeah, bro, that yeah. shit on we, all sell, we all We all came, came up selling bootleg Lil Wayne mixtapes. Man, selling candy and shit in the hallways and shit, man. Man, what? Bro, you can't that. Don't ever let nobody discourage you from charging your work, bro. Only, the only thing I say is, if you're going to charge people, you need to take that shit seriously. Because the, now, the minute you start charging people, it's not a hobby no more. It's, it's a business. So you need to treat it as such. Both. Exactly, bro. Don't jump in and out, bro. That's another thing, too. When I, yeah. I had to really turn that switch on, like, nigga, you're not doing this for a hobby no, no, no more. This ain't no, you making beats in your room, not saving them no no more, just playing them for yourself. Like, you really got to take take this shit serious. That's yeah. what led me into booking my first photo shoot the other day. Yup, bro. Oh, big moves, bro. Hey, product, uh, what the fuck they call that? Uh, your your product photo shooter, what the fuck ever, like yeah, I am the product, so I gotta take pictures of myself. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about, bro. That's what that's what the fuck I like to hear, man. <laughs> I, I booked my first photo shoot in like February, bro. I was like, damn. <laughs> hey, that nigga, I booked with Deuce, bro. Um, cause you know he out he out in North Carolina, so we I went to Charlotte and linked up with bro, and we took some shots, man. <laughs> He was, and you know, he's a, I'm not going to say he's starting up or whatever, but he's still trying to get established into his photography and stuff. But he was, he was worried about it, man. And that's, and that's why I say, bro, if you just start and do stuff, people will fuck with you because I paid this rate. It won't shit to pay it. And then, but when you really care about your work, you're going to be like, damn, bro, like, is this good for you? Like, this straight, this straight. And that, to me, is what shows passion. That's what shows that you really care about. It, it ain't just some shit you're doing to make money. And I told exactly. him. Exactly. 
And I told that nigga, bro, I take a good picture once every six months. I took like five of them shits today. I'm good, bro. <laughs> this is more than I, be, I can ever ask for. I be telling my clients like, yeah, the website say three, three with that three revisions, but who's well, who's to say you finna get this music right in three tries, bro? So like, come the fuck on, let's 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 figure this out. But niggas get discouraged and don't want to come back and they give up and shit. That's a whole nother story. But if a motherfucker really trying to work with you on their art, bro, they care about it. So work with them. Yup, exactly, bro. Just and that's and that's that's where we gonna end off today, gang. If you're listening to this and you've made it to the end of this interview, man, work with people who who are passionate, who are just as passionate about the things they do as you are. And you'll never go wrong. I promise you, you won't. As long as you work with people that are passionate about the things they do the way you are, they think about things like you, similarly to you, and they care, you'll never go wrong, man. In music and whatever you want to do, you can do it. Just be yourself and people will find you. You just got to keep working. You just got to keep working. And watch for these fake, fake, uh, passionate people too. The motherfuckers who are always posting quotes and these yeah. deep ass thoughts and shit. Watch for them niggas, bro, because they're gonna sing you off too. They're gonna trip you up and have you do a whole bunch of dumb shit that you shouldn't be doing. But and and this is and this is how you know when you start getting somewhere. When you start getting fake love in public on the internet, wherever you 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 own to something, bro. You own to something. Cause that because it's a if you won't own to nothing, bro. Niggas wouldn't be playing you like that. But you since you own or something, they they move in walkie. So when you notice people start moving funny, bro, just ignore it. Keep your head down and just keep working, bro. You got to focus if on you the focus. little nigga. If you came up as the little nigga or the youngest and your big cousins that used to always play you and leave you out of shit, start leaving the hundred emojis and flames and shit. Y- yeah, you 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 getting somewhere. Yup, motherfuckers that don't speak you. When motherfuckers that don't speak you start swiping up me on Instagram story talking about fire, <laughs> like this shit fire. You 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 getting somewhere, bro? They watch. Start you. posting you on shit, man. Like, man they, get the fuck out of here, man. They watching, so give them a motherfucking <laughs> show. Give them a motherfucking show. You know they and watching. They like what they see. That's how you know you putting out good shit and people like what they see because all, all the out, baby. To start being fake with you. Exactly, ball out, baby. Ball out. You know, but yeah, that's it. I'm uh I'm Jonesy49 on all social media joints. I'm I know you're trying to end this. I got a couple of oh, no, you I good, bro. Yeah. yeah, man. Get at him, Jonesy49. Check out some of his music. He's great. He's starting to get into videography, man. Stay tuned for that music tasting. <laughs> you know, that producer. Yeah, shout tasting. out, uh, yeah, shout out Gary, shout out Glenn Park, shout out that nigga D Brown, shout out G Scott. The whole same hustle, new money camp. G Scott and his like five different affiliations. I don't know, <laughs> like on six different labels and shit. Uh, shout out to Valve guys. We got the best music out here. Shout out to Mike Dillard in the Vision Studios. Uh, shit. Who else can I shout out in this motherfucker? Uh, shit. That's pretty much it. Shout out the whole two and nine. No, nah, fuck that. Shout out my nigga Two K Dre. He the most wildest light skinned nigga I know. Uh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Now nah, that's really it. Shout uh, out yeah, the gang, man. Niggas. Shout out the gang. Shout out everybody. Appreciate you coming on, Jonesy. It was a pleasure to, to talk and kick, and kick it with you, bro. Um, blessings, gang. As always, man, Grande gang, live life grande. Hope you can take some of this advice and apply it to your own life. Because, God damn it, if you ain't living grande, nigga, that you ain't living. But stay tuned. Um, stay tuned for new things. We're going to switch up some art styles going into the late summer, into the fall. Um, and just stay tuned, gang. Appreciate you, Jonesy. I'm going to get up. Big you, big gonna get up you feel me, big bro? <laughs>